Pastor Mai, good afternoon and welcome to Perspective, your view of the world we live in on the Isle of Man of the 21st century. On the programme this week... Welcome on board the Isle of Man steam packet company Fastcraft, the Nanon. We would ask that all passengers on the outside decks please now return to the main cabin for the safety briefing and video that is about to take place. And we would ask that you give this your full attention. Uh, first of all, I use the phrase nationalisation. Is this nationalisation? No, it's absolutely not nationalisation. In May last year, government began a move that will define its administration for years to come. It used over £124 million of taxpayers' money to purchase the Isle of Man Steam Packet Company, bringing it into public ownership. That decision, according to the Treasury Minister Alf Cannon, will secure long-term stability for the service. So, on Tuesday the 8th of May, Tinwald members were called to an emergency meeting. There, the Council of Ministers informed them a deal had been reached to buy the Isle of Man steam packet at a cost of £124.3 million. The agreement without any prior consent from Tinwald was put to the House in the form of a motion, which sought the support of a government acquisition of the company. What followed was an announcement made by Treasury Minister Alf Cannon, which received an almost unanimous backing from both houses. That came in spite of valiant vocal opposition from several, to several aspects of the move from South Douglas MHK Kate Beecroft. Her main belief that the initial proposal should have been subject to further consideration and debate was also echoed by political commentator and newspaper columnist Alistair Ramsey, who branded the process a shocking failure of government transparency and parliamentary oversight. In his column in the Isle of Man Examiner earlier this year, Mr Ramsey said Tinwald was being railroaded in a manner that would once have been unacceptable, adding it showed a disturbing disregard for the principles of democratic decision-making. However, all but one of the island's politicians were singing off the Council of Ministers' hymn sheet. I think this is a once-in-a-lifetime this is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. It's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. A once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for the island. This company is more than just a company. This company is a national asset. An asset that transports and delivers our daily necessities. A company that transports and delivers our infrastructure. The main reason for, for undertaking this is that the government uh, and the people of the island effectively have strategic control. Council of Ministers should not sign any agreement with the steam packet until all other options have been debated and decided in Tinwall. With the government owning it, we will have secure links. We will also have the money staying on the Isle of Man, I think. We've taken bold, decisive action. You know, we, we chose to buy the steam packet, not because it was easy, but because it was the hard to do, but it was the right thing to do. And it will secure our future and give a good return to the people of the Isle of Man. There are so many documents that you actually need to go through to remind yourself of the history together with all the different strategies and everything else, it's virtually impossible to do that and then sit back and consider 
Is this the best option? Is this the best time? Is this the best price? The money that went into the steam packet was drained out into the finance markets of the world and that money should have stayed on the Isle of Man, didn't. The actions taken by Timwald and by the government and by Treasury have ensured that comes to a halt. In the future, our lifeline will be ours and that's incredibly important. It was the wrong time. I think the amount that we paid was wrong and and the structure of that amount was wrong. Thousands have already responded to a consultation on the future of the island's sea services. The Department of Infrastructure is seeking the views of the public as it prepares to update its user agreement with the Steam Packet Company. There is water at the bottom of the ocean. Under the water, carry the water. Government maintaining control of the, the lifeline is key, but actually control and ownership are two slightly different things. And so I don't see why if the government owns a, a steam packet that makes profit, essentially, that just provides a service to the public, it really is an Isle of Man steam packet company. Now, why should the public not have a stake in that or have the opportunity to buy a stake in that and actually share in, in whatever happens in the next you know, 10, 20, 30 I years? I do have concerns that in maybe a couple of years' times, once the 49% of the other bonds and shares are uh, sold as in the hands of a few they will then start to be uh, pressurised by the freight and transport groups that want cheaper fares, this, that and the other. The company or the government then forces the steam packer company to become leaner, uh, which will mean change the terms and conditions. I think the external perception of the government buying the steam packet is that it would create confidence that the Isle of Man government is confident in the future of the island and the fact that it's actually investing. The government's now got a chance to have a fresh start at this, but um, none of us should be complacent. Uh, It's very easy for things to go badly wrong. What we've got to keep emphasising is that the priorities of passengers must be way up at the top of the... I'm not saying to bed because we've still got to work on on how we fund part of it, but the steam packet has now been bought for the people of the Isle of Man. That was a big topic that hadn't been touched before. In all circumstances, both in terms of the shareholder agreement and in terms of the uh, user agreement, we must ensure that within within those uh, documentations uh, 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 is the ability of uh, Tim Wold to revisit if... Uh, uh, it, it isn't working satisfactory, not I'm only for this group. T- March 2021, um, the, the new replacement Ben McCree up in uh, December, 70 million. This will be a freeze on foot passenger passengers on, on their fares and the weekend supplement goes off peak. Also, uh, we're looking at CPI increases, not RPI. So this is where we're starting to get real tangible benefits from, from, from the, the strategic direction we're taking. So, the People's Packet. Well, we'll hear later in the programme from the Infrastructure Minister, Ray Harmer, who will join us live in the studio from just around quarter past one. And we're also set to hear shortly from Chris Robertshaw, MHK, um, who's been one of the more vocal Timwald members during the Steam Packet discussions in recent weeks and months. But first, uh, time to cast our minds back now. Not long after the provisional buyout received Tinwald support, the Steam Packet's chairman, Robert Quayle, appeared on Manx Radio's Sunday Opinion, that's back in July last year, and spelt out to Roger Watterson what exactly the direction of travel was for the service. 
Well, certainly our, our shareholders, and there were actually four shareholders, Roger. It wasn't just Banco Espirito Santo, which actually ceased to exist some time ago. It was called Novo Banco. Um, but it was indeed a Portuguese bank. But there were three other shareholders as well. Yes, they were willing sellers. Um, at the price obviously agreed was satisfactory to them. The board had very little input, and uh, they decided they wanted to sell. I think they probably were influenced in that by Tinwald's rejection of their own proposals for the future, um, and they felt that probably this was the best exit route they could uh, they could have. So they were willing sellers. Yes. I suppose there was the lurking issue of the renewal of the user agreement. Yes, 2026 was looming. Um, we had come to Tinwald before that because we felt that it was time to get a longer-term agreement in order to allow the investment that the route was ev inevitably going to need. Tinwald, in its wisdom, decided that our proposals were not satisfactory and wanted it wanted to look at other proposals. Um, I personally regret that, but at the same time, that was Tinwald's decision. And then Tinwald decided that it was going to... Um, explore the possibility of buying the company. Um, I think you, you've described us as public sector. I think this is the first time in my political memory that Tinwald has bought a going concern, and particularly a profitable going concern. Mm. It's bought assets of failing businesses in the past, like the bus company and the railway company, which I, I bought for government 40 years ago. Um, but this is the first time they bought a very profitable company, a well-run company, and uh, it's going to be very interesting to see... Um, how they manage that acquisition. Well, Ro Howard Quayle said that it's acquiring the national asset, the national asset, is a once-in-a-generation opportunity. Would you go along with that? Well, you're talking to the man who wrote a report, along with other much more distinguished luminaries, about how government should do less rather than more. So you wouldn't expect me necessarily to, to agree that actually it's desirable for the government to buy in assets and, and more particularly run them. Um, but um, it certainly was a, a, an opportunity. I should say that Tinwald has been given the chance to buy this company in the past and rejected it as recently as within the last 10 years. Did it not um, once hold about 15 or 60 percent of the shares anyway? It held getting on 30 percent at one stage, and um, because that proved so ineffective in the views of Tinwald members at the time, and I was Clark of Tinwald at the time, they decided to sell it, mm. and they did. Mm. Um, and so they they tried it once, but that was, to be fair, not a controlling interest. It was a significant interest. Incidentally, Roger, you said that the company had been owned by private shareholders and financial institutions. Of course, it was effectively publicly listed for many mm. years. I mean, shares were freely traded. And the annual general meeting at the Palace Hotel used to be one of the great social festivals of the year when everybody stood up and made great long speeches about how the company could be run better and this sort of thing. So um, uh, the Manx social scene was the lesser when those meetings ceased to exist. Well, now the company is completely owned by the Isle of Man government. And if the government, one has to ask, has spent £124 million in obtaining this company, is it reasonable to assume that they know what they're going to do with it? As chairman, have you been given any clue or any direction? Well, I've met the Treasury Minister, and um, I think the next few months are going to be very interesting as we discuss the parameters within which Tinwald will exercise its rights as the owners of the company. They are the owners, therefore their word 
is is obviously very important to us yeah. because directors run a company for the benefit of the shareholders. I mean, their 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 duty is to act in the best interests of the company in the widest possible sense, not as a member of Tinwald suggested this week in the best interests of the Isle of Man. The Isle of Man is a stakeholder, but there are, there are you know a wide variety of stakeholders we have to take into account. And we will obviously be very uh, aware of what the government wants to do. Now, the public, obviously, there's going to be public expectations. We have heard over the ages that people think the steam packet should be cheaper and they think it should do this and that and the other. This is the uh, tailor-made thing that Travel Watch is talking about. But the two things that stick out from everything else is, one, a reduction in freight costs, and two, is cheaper travel in the main. Now, that's going to be a pressure put on members of the House of Keys, isn't it? Yes, it is. Um, and I think that even if we even if we were to almost pay to transport people, the fares would still be too high. I think people have got a very unrealistic expectation of what travel really costs. Um, I mean, I use public public sector transport in, in the UK, trains and things like that. Those prices can vary enormously on when you buy your ticket and whether you go for a fixed sailing or what of a you know, journey or not. Um, yes, I mean, cheaper fares may be achievable. We we used to offer, well, we still offer, something like 800,000 uh, journeys uh, below the regulated fares in a year. But an awful lot of them aren't, aren't not, taken up. Not below your list price, you're saying regulated fares. The regulated fares, That's yeah. the, those set by the government, yes. in effect. In other words, the maximum we can charge. Uh, we offer vast numbers of those, but the, the fact is you use those fares to try and generate business at a time when people don't want to travel. And there's not a very high num proportion of those taken up because people don't want to travel at that time. They want to travel during the TT. And, of course, one MHK has apparently said, oh, yes, well, it'll be cheaper fares for the TT. I, I find myself asking whether any other island businesses such as self-catering accommodation and hotel rooms reduce their prices for the TT. If they don't, why should we? So the all of this, of course, uh, is, is centred around <coughs> continuous talk about the, the user agreement, yes. which is not the easiest thing to understand uh, in places. But there are simple headlines in it that you have to provide so many, yes. so, so much uh, uh, in sailing, so much within a cost and so on. What, are, what is the main thrust of that agreement? Well, that agreement was put in to, to protect the island, you know, 25 years ago, after a, t a time of, of extreme volatility in Ireland sea services. Mm -hmm. And it was effectively ensuring that there was a minimum agreed level of service and that prices were kept within some kind of control. Uh, and initially, the prices could only be put up by inflation less, what, RPI less half a percent. It's now RPI that they, there's prices can go up um, and that was to ensure that the, you know an unscrupulous owner couldn't just jack up prices through the roof mm. um, but it required minimum levels of service it, it dictated what vessels were available what ports could be used and things like this and I I have to say that my personal view is that the user agreement served the island extraordinarily well yes it did create a, in a sense a value to the company because it was like a franchise mm. that you know was with it guaranteed an income stream but i think that was a small price to pay compared to the certainty the regularity 
and the affordability of the services that we have offered. Well, that was government ensuring that a private operator yes. provided at least a minimum service. That's but right. But now it owns the companies are going to need a user agreement. Well, I, I think it's, it depends, it goes back to our original discussion on exactly what a gov- government going to do. Uh, they own the company, they can effectively di- dictate what we do. Uh, I understand that the uh, the initial discussions will be on a shareholders agreement and a an operating agreement, rather along the lines of Manx Radio, Roger. And don't forget, mm-hmm. I was a director of Manx Radio for 10 years back in the day. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was, in a sense, operated at arm's length by government. I mean, what what I think they failed in their sort of wonderful idealism in having bought the company to realise is that the, the steam packet has always been a slight political football. It's going to become even more of a political football, and they won't be able to say, well, it's not, we don't own it, we can't do anything about it. They do own it now, and so it will actually be harder to say, we're not going to do that. That was Robert Quayle of the Steam Packet there speaking to Roger Watterson in June. Chris Robertshaw, MHK, joins me in the studio. Uh, good afternoon. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Um, so I'd like to ask you, first of all, um, you, you have said previously you're a big fan of uh, the government's decision in this instance. Um, you said you were very proud to witness the announcement of uh, the buying out of the Steam Packet mm-hmm. in Tinwald. Um, but how does government's buying of the steam packet fit with your view of a smaller government, first of all? Well, it certainly does. But let me just say that I waited 24 years for the steam packet to come back into, or come into um, national ownership. And uh, um, I, I, I was beginning to think I'd never see the day. So it was absolutely marvellous. Um, your question... Um, the steam packet is not a department of government. I mean, it, it's separate. And really, that whole point about where the steam packet sits in relation to government is is the current discussion and debate and really is the root of why I took the position that I did in Timbald um, last week because um, although I'm absolutely for what's happening, I, we were all of us, all of us, when the decision was made, very cognizant of the fact that that actually um, we had to be careful about how the relationship with government um, and the steam packet worked. And sadly, I, I think that under the terms of the sea service agreement, uh, the two departments of government, Department for Infrastructure and Department for Enterprise, have rushed their fences. Um, right from the get-go, it was understood as way as far back as May last year that Timwald would sign off the full sea service agreement, um, and then even in the submission to Timwald last week, the Department for Enterprise were using words equivalent to the sea service, the full sea service agreement will be signed off by Timwald. What we actually got was something else, which was something called heads of terms, which is the broad base of where things are going. And um, when members were had this this heads of terms, this skeleton skeletal arrangement presented, we were told at that time, much to my surprise, that the Department of Infrastructure had already signed it off, and it was just a question of Timwald rubber stamping it. So my question at that presentation, this is not in Timwald, this is a, a little time before, 
I said, yes, but we will surely be signing off the full sea service agreement. And there was a shuffling of papers and, and various uh, but postures uh, indicated that that wasn't to be the case. And sure enough, it wasn't the the case. There is no uh, desire on the part of Council of Ministers to have Tim Wall sign off the sea service agreement. Now, this is a, a huge opportunity missed because it's going to be very important as we go forward that there isn't constant political interference with the arrangements between government and, and therefore the people and the steam packet. And therefore, it's, it's very, very important to get all the details right at this stage. So to be presented with a situation where we're just asked to sign off the broad base of it is, well, it's foolish and short-sighted. Um, I asked the question, look, um, if, you, if the heads of terms are going to be the same as the full agreement in detail, then what's the problem? Why won't you sign it off? Conversely, if there are going to be differences between the heads of terms and the full agreement, then surely Tim Will should be signing it off. To this day, I haven't had an answer to that. And I am really concerned that they're rushing the fences um, in a number of ways. For example, in the submissions to Tim Will uh, last week, um, the Department for Enterprise said that they hadn't actually done a, a deep uh, economic impact study of various options that might be in front of us for, in a variety of areas, commercial areas. And the reason they gave, which was quite extraordinary and, and hard to believe, really, they said that they hadn't done it because they hadn't had time to do it. Now, that indicates that they wanted to do it, but they hadn't actually done it. It beggars belief when you consider that we're actually signing off a sea service agreement for 25 years, albeit that there are breaks in it, five-year breaks. The fact that we're signing something off now for 25 years uh, with a background where the, department to, the departments haven't done their homework is just breathtaking, frankly. But why has it been presented to Tinwald in this, in this manner? Is it... Is it because of time constraints, do you feel? Is that, is that the, the reason? There, is no, there are no time constraints. Of course it's important that we press the button as soon as possible on a, on a new boat. I mean, everybody accepts that as read. But if you wanted to take more time to do a long-term agreement, you could do an interim arrangement which would cover, give sufficient comfort to make sure that the investment in the boat was was appropriate. So, no, there, there is no... There is no time problem. They're, they're making that up because they just want to rush things through. Unfortunately, and I've said this many times in, in a variety of different uh, arenas, but this is another example of government failing to understand that it has to deal with issues operationally and strategically. And yet again, there's been a failure on the Department for Enterprise to deal with things in a full strategic sense. I understand why it's happened. I mean, they're working very hard on an operational level, but they haven't got the time um, or, frankly, the competence to deal with th things strategically. And yet, both ministers, both uh, Ray Harmer and, and uh, Art Skelly, both signed up to it, and therefore all eight members from those two departments had to, as it were, join the Council of Ministers and, and, and sign it up. So that's why my proposal was so heavily defeated. Um, it just was a question of trying to shunt something through um, Timwald. And I think that's unforgivable, considering the huge importance of this matter. It's interesting, isn't it, that 
the two big defining things that you can identify so far in, with this administration, that's the Sir Jonathan Michaels health report and the purchase of the steam packet, both of those key important decisions are being either, in broad terms, handled well um, or in the process have been handled well and both were done outside of individual departments. But as soon as you give individual departments the responsibility to deliver in this case we're talking about the sea service agreement and DOI you get failure I can't I can't help but um, but just quickly jump back on something you said before um, you said that this was a decision which you'd been looking forward to for yes. um, I think you said 24 Tw- years 24 years um, embarrassing but true is it is it something that's been considered before no, no. Uh, originally, um, I was uh, almost a lone voice in those days saying, for goodness sake, don't do what you're going to do because you're going to effectively make the steam packet uh, effectively something that can be bought and sold on the international financial markets, which is exactly what happened, which is where the debt came from. So I was against the principle at that stage. And, and well, in fact, long history has sort of proved that point to be true and correct. And just for for context, you, you tabled an amendment this week, which mm-hmm. ultimately was unsuccessful. But for, as I say, for context, could you maybe just tell us a bit about what your your hopes were in in, in doing that? Yes, I, I just simply said that um, I agreed absolutely with all the other wording in in the proposals. Uh, in broad terms, most of the stuff in the heads of terms I am comfortable with. My amendment simply intended or required. Um, the council ministers to do what they said they were going to do last May and what the Department for Enterprise said in their submissions that the full agreement would come to Timwald and be considered. Um, When you're in business, the last thing you would do would be not to look at the detail of a very, very important contract. And that's what is happening to Timwald. Frankly, Timwald has been treated, members have been treated like children and it's quite disgraceful. But the point is this, that if we really do want to have a proper settlement between the people and government and the steam packet, then it has to be done on the basis of an open and transparent arrangement and full detail. For example, last week in the examiner, was it, the various retail organisations came out and said we need a new settlement point, a start point for freight rates. And I absolutely agree with that. That hasn't happened at all. Now, if we if we were approaching this properly, part of the submission to Timber would not just be the detail um, of the uh, sea service agreement, but it would also be a report to show that, A, the steam packet were going to get sufficient returns to invest in new boats, and, two, that government was getting a return on a decent return on investment, but no more than a decent return in both cases. Problem is, we're blind to that. So um, various uh, commercial entities don't know whether they're getting the best possible de- deal that they can. And so, as it were, the private sector has been kept in the dark now by government, and that, that, really, that really sort of won't do. But if... If there is a new set point for freight rates, which gives comfort to the investments necessary in uh, both steam packet uh, and government, then uh, the private sector can then be a lot more comfortable and, and accept the fact that what they're getting is a fair deal. Right now they don't know, they're suspicious. There's every reason to think 
that they're not being treated fairly. Because if you scroll back to the last time there was a competitive proposition came forward and a lot of turbulence occurred. If you might recall that at that time, the five biggest haulage companies were, were given di special discount rates. Now, my understanding, right or wrong, and I could be out a few percentage points, is that those five big haulage companies represent 80% um, of the freight traffic which is going through uh, the ferry, through our ferry service. And that we're also given to understand, because we haven't seen the details and we haven't seen the accounts, that it's freight that makes the money. So the point is this, that if it is the case that those, that 80% of the freight traffic going through the, the uh, steam packet company was offered a discount rate, and yet the company was still making 12 to 15 million, then it's reasonable to argue that the freight rates that they were charging prior to that were too high. What the private sector now want to know is let's make sure that we get a fair set of rates and it's whether it's one of the top five hauliers or the other smaller companies that are operating through the, the freight service. Bringing the steam packet into public ownership allows for that um, sort of, what, what would you say, scrutiny from private firms and you, it allows for lobbying processes perhaps which wouldn't be available when it was under private ownership, would that be fair? That's absolutely correct, and, and it's something that we need to take account of, and that's why it's important now to get a fair settlement between all parties that we're all going to genuinely sign up to, and that's not happening. Let me just take you back to one particular issue which relates to your point about it's now owned by government. Um, the Back to these five big hauliers again. Uh, as I understand it, they're going to be given a discount rate if they achieve 300,000 um, lane meters per year <coughs> per organization. What I don't know uh, beyond that is whether there's any exclusivity. In other words, if they don't exclusively use the steam packet, um, then they may well be subject to difficulties there. Now, if it was a private sector operator, you might argue that that private sector company could deal in that manner, but government can't because at the same time as it's trying to set up its arrangement with the, the steam packet, we're also slowly developing a, a, a competition bill. Now, that competition bill would actually define what the old steam packet did in relation to exclusivity as illegal. Now, government cannot act illegally. It mu must act above, um, uh, above board and in a transparent way. The fact that the DOI and Department for Enterprise are trying to sort of smuggle this arrangement through and trying to keep members at, uh, at arm's length is very, very short-sighted and very, very foolish. Let's get the, every, all the cards on the table, let's get the settlements we need, and then we can all quietly get on confidently with all our various roles. Right now, while you've got that term, attitude that the departments of government and the steam packet are not showing their cards, then you will not get buy-in from the private sector. With an investment of this kind um, from government, if you're a member of the public 
um, and maybe somebody who uses the Steam Packet, whether that be privately or, or for your company, the fact that that's not debated in full uh, in in the t- court of Tinwald is that is that not a bit alarming for for democracy? Maybe. Oh, it's very alarming. It, it, it it's alarming that that the Department for Enterprise have approached this, and they they're quite blatant about it. They say that the sea service agreement, that the the baseline for them was to take the old user agreement and make it a bit better. I'm afraid that's just not good enough, and. Um, I'm not at all surprised that the elements of the private sector are kicking off already. It should be an enormous warning to to the Council of Ministers, to Timwald, to the steam packet company, that they're not going about this in the right way. As I mentioned at the beginning of our discussion, um, you've already said you were very proud to see the the decision made. Absolutely. It's a move you agreed with. Um, is, Is it at risk of becoming a bit of a political football here with what's happened to this point. If it becomes a political football, then it falls absolutely, the responsibility falls on the DOI and the Department for Enterprise for not doing their job properly. If you compare the way we bought the steam packet and the professionality that the Treasury um, managed to achieve with regard to that process and certainly uh, enjoyed my absolute respect, and then compare it to the way the DOI and Department for Enterprise are behaving. They're, 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 they're miles apart, and, and Department for Enterprise and DOI, if effectively, I was going to say, have got to pull their socks up, but that's, that won't happen because they are effectively operational organisations trying to do strategic work. The whole sea service agreement should have been handled in a different way. It should have been posted up to the National Strategy Group. They should have brought professionals in to assist in the process and then make it a transparent and open process. It can still happen. It's not really too late. It's just an embarrassing fiasco at the moment. So is there room for for a a bit of a U-turn here? Is there room for things still to be discussed, you feel, or or is the... Well, I hope so. I mean, DOI brought out what it called the harbour strategy, which frankly is is an absolute fiasco. I mean, it's verging on the laughable. And I'm hoping that they're slowly backing off now as they realise what a mess they made of that. Well, they're making a mess now of the sea service agreement and they need to sort themselves out. But it's not going to happen inside a single department. They haven't got the capacity or the competence to do it. It needs to go up into an NSG, a national strategy group, um, effort and the right advice and guidance needs to come in and that that issue about under the, the, the community that now owns the steam packet must understand clearly what the returns on investment are so that it's clear and supported by everybody you've mentioned as well um, another thing to pick up on you mentioned the lack of an economic assessment from the department uh, for enterprise um, how is it a decision that can be taken without without having having that in mind? <laughs> well, it, well, it can't. I mean, there's all sorts of things in there that make you say, well, goodness me, what's that? I mean, one of the things in the sea service agreement, it says that, that the government will commit itself to only having um, two link spans. Now, we're talking about a 25-year cycle. It's agreeing with itself that it will only have two link spans. It should have nuanced that because... We don't know what's going to happen in the next 25 uh, years. We may very well need, need three. So the wording should have been 
captured in a way that, that would allow that process to, to go forward without damaging the uh, arrangements that are signed up with the steam packet. That's not there. There's, there's the issue with regard to um, the number of discounted fares to the visitor sector, which is utterly ill-defined. I mean, you know the, the old story about... Uh, we'll give you a thousand discounted fares, but they'll be on the midnight boat in February. You know, I mean, it, it, that's a bit of a, an overstatement. All of these things need to be properly defined in a full agreement that we sign off on, and we need to take our time about it. Um, earlier in the uh, sort of um, overtaking process, I've forgotten the word now, um, Alistair Ramsey, a political commentator, branded the process as a shocking failure of government transparency and uh, and parliamentary oversight and wrote Tinwald was being railroaded in a manner that would once have been unacceptable, um, adding that it showed a disturbing disregard for the principles of democratic decision-making. Do you feel those sentiments apply this week? Do you, do you, no, do much, you agree with that? Uh, I, I agree with them now. I don't agree with Alistair with regard to the purchase of the steam packet because it was it was a very sensitive and difficult issue to, to deal with because it wasn't just government, as it were, talking to itself. It was government talking to um, the, uh, f- the international financiers and therefore there were all sorts of complicated constraints. And I, I repeat myself, nonetheless, Treasury had the, the really high quality advice and guidance. Um, those of us really focused on this considered all that carefully and decided, yes, this is absolutely the right deal. What's wrong this time is that we're rushing our fences with regard to these uh, this sea service agreement when we don't need to in the first place. And secondly, we're doing it in, in an inappropriate way operationally inside the department. And thirdly, we're not taking proper advice. It is an absolute shambles. But coming back to your point about... Things be, Alistair's point about being railroaded through Timwald. I, I have to say that the current Timwald membership is far too compliant. Um, uh, political challenge is a very, very important part of the process. I mean, I'm, as you probably know, I'm on the policy review side. I, I'm in all bar one of all the re- policy review committees, and, and I'm dedicated to, try to, to trying to make scrutiny of government constructive and, part, and, and, a, and a good part of the process rather than a, a yabu sort of politics uh, approach that may have been the case now and again in the past. What's what's concerning, really concerning, is that, is that we're getting very few mo- individual members coming to the floor of Timwell with, with motions to express their particular views about something. And then when a challenge occurs people very much fall in line and one of the reasons that the uh, my amendment failed so badly was because and it was this was designed to be the case i have to say on the part of council of ministers that doi and department for enterprise as um, stood beside council of ministers well both departments had four members each so you had absolute guarantee of 18 votes before you even started is it any surprise then that a government is allowing itself, as it is in this case, to be lackadaisical and clumsy. I mean, you, I think you've got Ray on afterwards, and you, you, you'll hear him breeze these things away as, as irrelevant. But I would ask your listeners to think about these things very, very carefully. We need, we need constructive, robust challenge that is in place because it wants to see the right thing done, 
rather than what we've got at the moment, which is just too much nodding stuff through. If I were to don an especially cynical hat, perhaps <laughs> on a Sunday, yeah. um, I might say it appears that Tinwald only applies democracy when it suits. Would, would, would that be would that be unfair? I think the weakness we've got at the moment is that our current chief minister is oversensitive and uncomfortable with challenge and um, his arrival on the scene combined, uh, coincided, sorry, with 12 new members who are, who have been trying to find their feet. And so he had a very benign environment to step into and that's why this sort of thing is happening. I hope by the time we get to the next election, the next general election, the current new members will be much more robust in, in their approach um, and that we'll have a chief minister then who is much more inclined to recognise the importance of having constructive challenge. It's part of good policy making. But whatever your views on individuals um, in this administration, does the par- sort of current system of parliamentary process allow for that, that challenge? No, no, it doesn't, because what happens, it's designed, it's built in. What's designed at the moment is that um, when a new member comes in, they're given a delegated authority within a a particular department and an extra £10,000. And and what happens at that stage is that each member is then moulded into this sense that they've got a particular small responsibility, which will, in their eyes, grow and, and grow and grow in importance. And they've got extra money to do it. And what happens is politicians start to become interfering uh, managers rather than policy makers at a much higher level. Those on scrutiny get paid absolutely nothing extra. Um, so you can understand that members are disinclined to want to migrate to uh, scrutiny because there's effectively more money available to them being part of the system. Because once you're in a, in a department, when your minister take goes in a particular direction with regard to departmental business, then you have to vote with them. So that's the weakness in our democratic process. What we need to see is we need to see a levelling up of the um, income for a, a member in a department on the executive side and a scrutiny member. And hopefully then a better balance will be found. I, I would have thought you'd need about eight people on scrutiny side in in Keys uh, and most of the rest either the speaker or in government. We we are veering into a topic which um, was uh, was was discussed on a on a on a previous program. Um, yeah. To apply that then to this case study, if you like, um, I suppose the the question is what what would you have done differently? Succinctly? Me, I couldn't do anything differently. I mean, all I can just do is keep saying to people, let's rebalance the system. Well, if know? if you were in Minister Harmer's shoes, then perhaps. If I was in if I was in his shoes. I, I would have made absolutely sure that that the process was migrated up to a strategic level, that we found uh, strategic competence, that it was much more open, transparent, and that it, that it gained the confidence of all the interested parties, all the stakeholders, of which there are many. Right now it, it hasn't, and because it hasn't, it's going to be, um, as it were, a, a bit of a running sore until it's sorted. And is there a hope that that could still happen? Well, hope travels, you know, keeps travelling, and I hope so, yeah. The Nation Station.
You're listening to Perspective on Manx Radio. Infrastructure Minister Ray Harmer joins me in the studio this hour. Good afternoon, Mr Harmer. Good afternoon. Um, First of all, just to maybe give a bit of context, I suppose. So um, if we cast our minds back to last summer, um, we were told the sort of buyout was going to be a gradual process. Um, Where are we up to now? Well, in terms of the, 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 um, the... steam packet that's now obviously that's owned by the company so that was um really quite a process that started um three years ago and in 2016 uh, we took a uh, strategic seas strategy so what the idea of that was was really just take a an overview a, a look at again of how sea services uh, are uh, provided and it was clear even at that point, we had certain principles, but it was clear that the government had to uh, intervene for our social economic um, uh, benefit. And then following that, it was clear that although the steam packet came up with their own uh, agreement, it was clear with all of the things that were happening out there, the fact that the steam packet was owned by uh, Novo uh, Bank, a Portuguese bank, and um, because of the, if you like, it had been passed on and passed on from from one um, um, like fund manager or whatever to another, and there was a real danger that it was going to be, um, there was talk of Lone Star, which is a an asset stripping um, and uh, um, company uh, that, that that actually would be sold to them. Um, and uh, it was clear at that point that we had to, and that's going back 2017 um, when we really made the call that uh, to, to 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 go with with the buy with the buy. So is the steam packet now fully under state ownership, if you like? Yes, so that's right. So um, it's. Um, it's it's fully state owned. There's 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 two 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 elements of it really. Um, the company is owned um, the shares, if you say the share capital, which is somewhere around about uh, forty nine million. Um, and then you have the uh, additional uh, debt that's in the company that that had been put in there by previous owners um, of about seventy. I don't have the exact figure, but seventy six million or so. Um, and um, that. Um, so in effect, the shareholder is one element, and then there's the the debt. And the first thing that we had to do after um, that we bought it was it had to have a shareholder uh, agreement, and that's key because that tells the company what the government expects from the company, if you like, from a commercial sense. Um, and that, as I said, well, obviously you've got to pay the debt off, and and obviously um, you know um, you know be commercial. Um, so, but it was very clear that if we hadn't have have bought the company, they were looking at that time, and, and this is really really important. They were looking at that time to give us an agreement um, that would have created um, twenty five years of value. And that the, what that means is that. At their rate, because they were were looking to do just the bare minimum, could have created value somewhere around about two hundred and fifty million, two hundred and seventy million pounds. But actually, the element that they were giving back to the Manx people was only a small fraction of that. So, in effect, we would have then been traded yet again on on the stock market um, with somebody else or or, or, or or whatever. So, I mean, the first thing to say, the local management company was is excellent but it's the it's the bodies that are outside it and it was really a a a a threat that if we didn't sign um the agreement or the government didn't sign then effectively 
there was a real danger it could be run for cash. And what that would have meant was that we would they would have run to the absolute bare minimum of the user agreement at the time. So, for example, we have a backup vessel. That would have gone. Um, there would have been terms and conditions that would have been changed for the, the workers. They would have uh, not done sailings um, when we needed them in the winter. They would have basically gone down to the absolute bare minimum. And we, we estimated that they could have run a number of millions extra cash if it was run like that and so it was very clear that really the only way the government could could unclear to us back in 2017 to actually take this forward was to was to, to, to for the people to own the, the steam packet and um, um, but I, I think what I need to say at this point is that it was very important to me that it was arm's length because I was, if you like, on the sort of, if, if there was a spectrum of views, I was the one most nervous about the fact that we buy a company and then somebody says, I'd like to have, have a 10 o'clock sailing, I would like my sailing to do this, I'd like to have special discounts, I would like, and then you get a whole shopping list. And I was very, very um, keen that it has to still run as a commercial company. It can't be something that is played with. I'll I'll come back to arm's length in a minute if, sure. if that's okay. But um the move was announced by the Treasury Minister Alf Cannon. It's um sort of been framed as a Council of Ministers policy decision, if you like. Um tell us briefly what infrastructure's role is in, in this. So um it was really we had I mean uh, there's there's a lot of confidential of a confidential nature, but we had very much involvement right back from our strategy um, and very much a co-min and collective thing that we did all together um, going back into uh, 2016 and 2017 when we had strategy. Then we when we said actually we needed to negotiate further, which was the TIN resolution, if I recall, in 2017. Um, and then we were sort of working working the way through it with, 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 with Treasury and all the way through. Um, so it's very much a combined effort. But what was clear that we felt was the right way to do it was that yes treasury do the shareholder agreement they do the if you like the purchase but the user agreement should still sit as it as it was so in some ways we're almost blind as infrastructure who owns a company we're just trying to get the best a social economic deal for the isle of man so um that's where we come in and you mentioned the sort of arm's length nature of the agreement, which is the term that's been used. That's sort of ownership versus control. Is that right? Absolutely. So what, what we've got there is that the um, Treasury own or the government owns uh, the shares in, in the steam packet. But in, in terms of actual day to day control, um, and, and, and I get these pressures on other services that we have, bus services, highways and so forth, is you don't have somebody, if you like, um, having that um, political sort of interference so that says well you know I've had 10 people tell me we should be doing two Thursday sailings because Thursday is important because of etc 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 it's really important that that if you like that knee jerking that a company can actually uh, be very sort of have a stable um, and they can make the right decisions because quite frankly they're the best ones to know about shipping they know about boats they know when they need to be maintained they know about their 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 um you know their staff terms and conditions they know that that if they they do certain things they can get more passengers or uh, and you've seen from their marketing as well they're much better positioned than i am to tell them 
what to do. So that is really important that, that we separate that out. We'll just jump back now and um, cast our minds back. This is the Treasury Minister, Alf Cannon, speaking to John Moss, and that's the day after the move was announced. The current situation with the uh, Isle of Man Steam Packet Company, which, uh, as we all uh, recognise and understand and now have had confirmed from our due diligence report, is it is a well-run uh, and highly profitable company. Um, but the current ownership arrangements around that uh, company have become increasingly unacceptable. Uh, and we see, we've we got a situation where this company, and in fact it's more than a company to the Isle of Man, it's our lifeline uh, business, uh, has uh, increasingly become a, a tool for asset managers, investment managers, hedge funds uh, to use as uh, uh, just a money-making uh, item and to, I would suggest, line their pockets over many years uh, the Isle of Man government, the Council of Ministers, looked very carefully at the options going forward, uh, even under a new user agreement uh, in place with the Isle of Man Steam Packet Company. We could see no change to that situation. And in fact, uh, it was our view that uh, replacing the uh, with a like-for-like agreement on a user agreement would simply see uh, uh, the company move into new But if uh, the government are the owners, and, is that not nationalisation? Uh, we would have seen increasing stability. Now, the government uh, uh, has set out a clear plan uh, on the Timwald order paper. Uh, I described it to uh, my Timwald colleagues as a three-phase uh, plan, first phase being the acquisition uh, of 100% of the shares, uh, the second phase being uh, some restructuring taking place around the finances. Uh, in other words, £76 million would be placed into the company as debt, we would look to the, for the company to refinance that and for government to get its £76 million back within the next 12 months and £48 million into share equity. And we would carry out a process to identify how that money could also be de-risked uh, by bringing in shareholders or partners uh, alongside us. So this is not nationalisation, John. This is a programme of stabilisation to bring the steam packets ownership uh, under control uh, and to put in place, uh, by having that control over the ownership, the right uh, new user agreements and the right relationship between the executive management uh, and the uh, shareholder, the Iron Man government, to ensure that uh, all parties and, and the company uh, are operating absolutely in the best interest. That was Treasury Minister Alf Cannon speaking to John Moss in May last year following the announcement. Um, the Treasury Minister was, was quick to deny that this is a, a nationalisation process, um, but government taking ownership of a private company, that is nationalisation, isn't it? Well, it's, it's interesting because it's um, when we looked at a number of options, and this goes back to the par partners who did a lot of work for us, and Oxero did, did a lot of work for us as well, and they looked at all the different options you can have. And actually, they it was interesting that one of the, 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 the winners uh, that they felt was a company limited by guarantee. And this really falls more into that so the company day to day can just run as it is you know you can say it can it can put pressure on its you know on its staff to say we need to make more uh, uh, you know revenue or, or whatever we need to do this we need to maintain that um, that's very different to nationalization where it literally would have if you like a minister on the board or, or, or actually telling it what to do so for example um, 
you know, if 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 there's pressure or political pressure and keys, they ask me a question, and I, you know, there may be well, okay, I'll reflect on that. Maybe you know, going back to another article, uh, in, uh, example I gave before, maybe we will we'll change, we'll 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 do an extra service here. We'll, move, we'll remove this one, and it would be bound on political pressure. The company will run completely independently. Uh, they they've got targets to meet, um, and the use agreement is the other element of that making it a company that that is is completely if you like uh, uh separate or you know is a version of a company by guarantees it's they are still a company in their own right and it also gives us the benefit that we could um that that that, that uh, we, you know the public could get involved in its ownership and so forth you are listening to perspective on manx radio minister ray harmer joins me in the studio um, minister i want to speak to you a bit about the the actual impacts on the consumer through this process. Mm. Um, in what ways do you expect the steam packet will improve under government ownership, or or maybe what things won't change? So, what's been really sort of critical for us in 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 many ways was getting a, a new user agreement because we felt that the old user agreement had, was was um, had very minimum standards, and it it really. You know, it's quite an exciting future, really, because what we have is um, a new new uh, boat, a new Ben McCree, um, around fifty million on that one, uh, uh, with 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 eight hundred passengers, so better facilities. Each of the ports in, is getting refreshed, so the deal, the Department of Infrastructure taking on board the sea terminal uh, to, to to refresh that, but the steam packet is very much Haitian, it's getting a refit. Um, and if you've been there at midnight, you probably know how uh, sort of rough it can be there. So, um, and Liverpool obviously is the new the new terminal there. Um, in 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 addition, the current Mamanum will get a refit as well, so you see benefit that, and then that will be replaced in 2026. So. The first thing is very much um, better boats, uh, better facilities, um, you know, things like Wi-Fi, um, those kind of things, um, it, it much, much improved. The other ones is is better uh, fares. So there's been recently a ratcheting of RPI, and as you know, RPI has been at 6 7 8%, whereas CPI has been at 1% or 2%. So we, 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 they now have to use CPI, not RPI, and that means... Uh, fares are more contained the discounts they'll be um, now um, you know at least 50 um, 300 um, I think 350,000 at 25 percent of standard fare another hundred thousand at 50 percent of standard fare so that's much better than the 275,000 which they can pick how much discount you can have you've got freezing of um, foot passengers and for student fares and for 50% for student fares and the weekend supplements going out of the, the, the summer. So you'll see an improvement on fares as well. Um, you'll also see um, the, the, the backup vessel being guaranteed now. So there, there isn't really a worry about is there a boat in, in the morning or, you know, there really really is. And we've got resilience there. Uh, we're improving uh, Liverpool sailings, uh, so an extra sailing, but particularly at the weekend as well and um, there are there are also lots of other sort of sort of detailed improvements as well in, in the fact that uh, it will be their staff that will look after the sea terminal so they'll be able to make benefits and also improve marketing spend so they're going to have to spend now three quarters of a million on, on marketing so um, it's quite across the board really. 
I'm obviously a, a user of the Steam packet, and um, well, I imagine most people on the Isle of Man are at some point. What people really care about, I think, is reliability, availability of services, and obviously fair pricing. Um, that's what it. That's what it really boils down yes. to when it comes to public opinion. Um, are people going to see significant change in these factors? Well, you won't see immediate change t- tomorrow because. Um, but because the the new Ben McCree won't be till the end of um, the end of, of, of December 2021. The is before then it will get refurbished. You'll see the fact that price rises won't be up going up as much, and you'll see the new the the new discounts. But I think it's also what you won't see because, as we're saying in the first section, there's a real threat that if 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 uh, a particular company had taken over or, or one or, or had been traded commercially it would have been run for cash so as much as a protective measure a strategic control measure as well as improving so um, you'll also see better sailings in in Ireland um, for the summer they're, they're, they're going to be much improved at times that really when people want to go and there'll be more sailings throughout the year an extra 17 or so so yes you're right it's it's you'll you'll see better um prices being better you're you know more they won't be going up and up and up they'll be stabilized and there'll be more discounts you'll see better boats which will mean reliability and importantly we've got a backup now guaranteed in the user agreement before um they could have taken that away at any point and and then you know when you can remember when there wasn't a steam pa- a boat a few years ago you know the shells emptied out it's not a pleasant experience so having that guarantee is is really important we heard um before the one o'clock news from chris robertshaw who's been one of the uh, political challengers i suppose of the process if that's a fair way to put mm. it he sort of expressed some concerns that this process has been rushed through a bit do you do you, how would you respond to that no uh, really, because we've gone from May. I mean, we've taken from 2016, so we've been working for three years on this project. Um, and as 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 as, as the Treasury Minister said, there was a three-phase pro- 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 process. And the first phase was the purchase. The second phase, for, you know, very part of that, the user agreement. And we have we have done more engagement. Um, over the last nine months since May, than probably that's and, and and that's been done before. Plus, we've engaged before we bought it as well. So we've been talking to the groups, we've been talking to commercial companies, freight passengers. Um, the survey that we did, for example, it was a it was a record for government, and over around five thousand or, or more. And we basically people said we do want to go to Liverpool. Well, that was important because that was important because. You know, if they didn't, if that wasn't a key issue, then 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 maybe we would be, you know, concentrating on Haitian. So, you know, those all of those um, all those people, as I said, travel work, all all, all of the different different elements um, and work groups. MHKs had a couple of workshops all the way through. We've we've engaged and and so I think nine months or getting towards a year now because it was May last year is is probably about right. But turning to the events of this week um, and the discussion of the Sea Services Agreement, Mr Robertshaw wanted to see more of an open debate on the floor of Tinwald. Um, he wanted to see more transparency in the process. Um, do, you, do you think that criticism is fair? No, because the, 
Um, a lot of what happens or gets to Timwald actually takes an awful lot long time. It may just seem it's a one-day event, but actually it's taken, you know, 10 months of talking to people and 10 months of people having the um, MHKs, for example. You know, in the, you know there was an E&I committee where, where, where the sea services came up. There's, there's um, all of the... Um, at the MHKs, but I think there has to, at some point, we've now made that decision, at some point you have to draw a line, I think the danger, and what I was very nervous about the, the sea services, is how we could, if we're not careful, you're talking, what's the difference between nationalisation and, and, and so forth, if politicians got too far involved, and I, I've had a red line, you know, incoming, I, you know, if politicians get involved, this will be a mess, and 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 it would just start to break down. And you could see it starting to fray already, where people would want to revisit decisions. Actually, it was unanimously supported in Timwald by everybody, including Chris Robertshaw, and also the presentations we had were incredibly positive. Everybody said, actually, what you've done here is you've dealt with fares, you've dealt with boats, you've dealt with um, your services, you've 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 actually covered all the bases, and that only comes. And from it, when you've actually engaged with everybody, because if the engagement had been poor, you would have you would have seen a lot more in Timwald, and and that was the time to have that debate. Um, and in actual fact, nobody said everybody was positive about the terms. There wasn't one criticism about really, um, you know, the freight is probably one issue to talk about. But 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 generally speaking, it was really really positive and unanimous support. They didn't have to do that. But they did because I think this is a good step. You've mentioned a bit about the sort of consultation process. Um, where can people see the results of the, the steam packet consultation? Well, certainly the the per, the, um, the ones that were done with the um, should be online. If they're not, they they they, they can be. I mean, um, and uh, we 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 presented all the results from the consultation, so they they're online. The stakeholder groups and uh, tourism sectors obviously there's a lot of output from that i don't know which bits are uh, you know which bits are available which bits aren't but um there's as i say it's been 10 months of really quite detailed detailed work it felt that broadly uh, mr robert shaw included that um, politicians agreed with the the sentiment of the move and um, we spoke a bit of, uh, before the break about the arms length approach is there a a risk that that process is being manhandled by politicians. Is it? Is there a risk? It's becoming a political football. Would you, would and you I, see that? I, I completely agree. And I think, um, you know, with respect to uh, Chris Robert Shaw, some of the comments he talked about when he brought in the debate and he brought about were actually. I c- this could be a political football. And this could descend into, you know, you could see an agreement going back and forward each month with the Timwald wanting, to, you know, the final one, and you could never end. And you could see it just being the political football is real danger because somebody could have used it and said, oh, no, I agree with everything, but there's just, you know, and then they'd come up with a small point, and that would be to the detriment of the Isle of Man. What was really important was that there's, there's, there's a lot of detail in there that we agree these this this principles and then we move on and actually do it and i sort of i'm quite passionate about these sort of things but i've always been passionate that that we actually start doing things because there's been a lot of years where people said things but not actually did anything and 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 and, and i think this has been a really positive thing you don't you don't feel then that it's been manhandled a bit by comin is that is that unfair no not manhandled by comin comin's um you know again um we've um um 
as, as, as a group of people, you, you get a lot of challenges. Um, as I say, there's a lot of collaboration and consensus that's drawn out whenever you do a policy. I think there might be a misunderstanding that things just appear in Timwald. Everything has to go through um, people and, and talk to it. So everything that, that I talk, I talk with all of my members, we come to agreement together. Um, everything that's in Comin is comes to an agreement together. And actually, um, certainly from my experience, it's been a predominantly harmonious experience. So people generally over over issues are generally um, supportive and, and agree with each other. Um, and then you're talking to you've got you're talking to people in Timwald and you you take their concerns and you change and you and you adapt and you and it's that consensus building which is really a good thing about our politics so that when we come to make a final decision we've we've talked to everybody we've we've taken on where people are concerned and interestingly enough when but, we have Timwald won't get the, the final say on the sea services agreement will they well they've got they have had because all that detail for example if I take a there's 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 um piece of detail on fuel, fuel surcharge so in the past um there's uh, an amount of money that the the steam packet have to uh, absorb before they put a full fuel surcharge we've actually increased that not only have we cre increased it we said you've got to um take an extra quarter percent every year so you've got to be better at doing your your fuel we've also put things about low emission fuels in the in heads of terms as 25 quite detailed uh, things about um, detailed um, decisions in there. Each one of those could have been unpicked, but actually everybody was supportive, including Mr. Robert Shaw and everybody across Timwall, because we've done the homework, if you like. We've walked, we talked about this. So, where, what is there left to deal with? And that is the real question. And you have to beg a question: Why are they asking the question? And it becomes a political football when somebody can say well, I like this, but actually, I know you've just agreed this, because remember, it's a negotiation with the company, but I want you to tweak this, or I want you to tweak that. And and I think the real danger is that we'd, we'd created our self-paralysis and the steam packet would become a, f a football. I think Timwell's done the right thing, because we've said, this is what we want, and there's a lot of detail in there. Now go and do it. Um, isn't it inevitable that by bringing the steam packet into public ownership, it becomes politicised? You're absolutely right. Uh, there's that danger. So, and, so how, uh, how, how's that avoided or mitigated? Well, by by standing firm. And that's why we've stood firm, and actually as Timwald, we've stood firm. As I say, it was unanimous when, when in the final vote. Um, we stood firm and actually said, I know there's a temptation here to fiddle this and change this, but actually we've got this use agreement. This is tw for 25 years now. We've, we've, we've fixed this now and now we can move on and look to the future and provide all these benefits that we wouldn't have done if we'd not bought the company. So this is a, I say, it's a really positive, positive thing. I think the alternative was that we would have had a company potentially running for cash, cutting services, um, using old boats, getting older and older, but actually we're investing in the future. And, and the benefits are going to be over the next 10, 15, 20 years. So you won't see everything now, it's going to be over the long term. Again, casting our minds back very briefly now to June, um, I spoke to the then uh, head of Unite Union on the Isle of Man, Eric Holmes. Uh, broadly was in support of the Isle of Man government's move, but he wasn't without his reservations. The concerns come later on once the 49% is in the hands of a few uh, rather than spread out amongst the many. 
they will then start to be uh, pressurised by the freight and transport groups that want cheaper fares, this, that and the other. Uh, and there's only one way that's likely to happen, and that will be because the company or the government then forces the steam packer company to become leaner, uh, which will mean change the terms and conditions. So at this stage, I doubt it, but I don't know the inside details. But in the future, it is a concern that I have. That was uh, buried in a longer interview, which was uh, essentially about uh, staff concerns over changes to terms and conditions at the steam packet, um, a discussion for another day. Mr Holmes predicted a, a dissatisfaction from retailers with the current freight charges. Um, you could argue there's an element of foresight there. It's something which has come a lot sooner than he originally suggested. Um, island businesses have complained of high freight charges uh, previously in the past and the Isle of Man newspapers reported this week that the island's supermarkets have formed a lobby uh, to ensure government that these uh, charges do not rise in the future. Um, was this to be expected, Minister, first of all? I, I think it was. I think we've engaged with um, with, 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 with hauliers and freight companies and so forth. But I think, um, and there are, and because of that engagement, there are huge benefits, like the Manx CPI is a key one, not RPI anymore. The discounts are being locked in. There's a hundred, there's more, uh, 10,000 more lane space. There's, there's, there's uh, a, a, an increase um, of the hu- double height, uh, the 4.8 metres. So all of those things benefits. You, you do all of that. And then, and then somebody comes back and says, oh, but by the way, can we have, more and um, uh, Eric Holmes is right. We've protected a lot of the terms and conditions when the arrow or the backup vessels here would they be on Manx terms? So we've done a lot of that. We foresaw that. So it's actually in the user agreement. But you're right. Um, that it gives an opportunity for for further lobbying and further, if you like, change and tweaking. It was what I was saying before, and it becomes a political football. It's up to the politicians to hold strong, really. And what what is government's response then to that? Well, in 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 in, in uh, my first one was really to say there is a lot new good stuff. It's a better agreement than than there is at the moment. There's also um, a, a, there was a, a DFE um, report that actually. Um, you know, benefits wouldn't necessarily transfer to the to the customer. There was a forty percent decrease in pricing, freight pricing in twenty ten, but that never appeared for the for the ben- the customer, the the end user never benefited from that. A lot of places have national pricing, and the other thing you've got to remember is the shipping cost is only thirty percent of the of the of the overall freight costs. So therefore, and that is only a, a percentage of the overall cost of the product. So in actual fact, it's a fraction of a fraction. And yes, you could you could have that lobbying. You could move. You could change, and actually benefit nobody. So are, are they at liberty to lobby politicians now? No, because now the, we've moved on. We've got the use agreement. It's 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 fixed. Um, the um, we now that will go ahead. What what I can say that if economically there's anything in the agreement, we've got a Brexit clause and we've got a five year reset. So if there's something that's in economics that can that changes, then the agreement can flex to that. Where the steam packet was a private company, it's now moved into state ownership. Is there a fear that government can be held to ransom here by by private firms that, that perhaps a private company wouldn't have, have uh, been exposed to? Um, I think, but the, the fact that it is a separate company... Um, and the fact that you know it, it, the management is really the same, and having been down there and talked to them, 
you notice that it's run incredibly well. They maintain things to a very, very high standard. Um, and the Brain Mile report said it's, do- it's done really, really well. I don't think it's it's now for the government to really say, look, we have that consultation, but actually we have to be very strong. Um, and, 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 and it's up to government to prove now that actually this is working. I think we've seen massive benefit of the user agreement. It's now as we look to the future to maintain and future politicians to maintain that. I think it's been implied, implied previously that um, the freight service provided by the steam packet is where a lot of the profit is made. Um, is, is, that, is that a... A balance which perhaps would be subject to review or has been subject to review? I think um, some of that is perhaps not completely the full story because in many times in the winter it's completely empty and you know the the, 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 the whole capacity isn't being used so you know but where I do think and it and and there's a as 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 in the agreement about visitor economy if it becomes the fact that if for economic reasons there's benefit in, in flexing the, the in, in, but remember it has to be cost neutral so we'll have to make you know changes elsewhere but I don't think the evidence actually says that we've got it about right I think in terms of the, the use agreement because of the feedback we've had generally positive I think it, it, it is actually about right and I, I think to you know it's now fixed we can now move to the future and I wouldn't would I would, you know, future politicians will will have to make their own decisions, but it'd be wrong to to allow lobbying to to to, to move things around. Just finally, we are getting quite short on time. What's the next step, Mr. Harmon? So um, we'll be um, we'll be um, signing um, obviously the sea service agreement, and now holding the holding them to account to make this agreement happen and the the next step after that is the Liverpool landing the new ferry terminal Liverpool that I'll be coming back to Timwald to seek approval to to to, to build that and uh, hopefully have that in you know uh, very shortly soon as well Thank you very much indeed, Infrastructure Minister Ray Harmer, for joining us live in the studio this afternoon. Thank you also to Chris Robertshaw, MHK, who was with us before one o'clock. And thanks too to Aaron Ibanez, another very big effort getting me ready for this week's programme. Thank you very much for listening. Take care, Gaushu Karel, and see you next week.